Ultra. Welcome back to the Cornetto Minute, the daily podcast where we crawl our way to the bitter end or the lager end of the world's end, one minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. Uh, I'm Nick Jimenez. I just took a sip of coffee. <laughs> Today, we are uh, preparing to annihilate Minute 59, which begins with Oliver telling Gary to keep an eye out for blinks and ends with Stephen telling Mad Basil that he knows a man who can recall the events of the evening of June the 22nd, 1990. And with us, of course, <laughs> joining us again, Niall and John from the Bat Minute. Welcome. Hey. <laughs> we're here to ruin your week, everybody. Have we, <laughs> so we, we were talking a lot about bottles versus pints previously. Um, yep. Bottles, much better for dancing. That's, I, true. that's okay. I guess I could see value in that. Yeah. Because everybody Personally, on the dance floor. Though, I, it seems to me that like anytime that I've done any kind of dancing, like at a wedding or something like that, I don't tr- bring the drink with me on the dance floor. I leave the drink right. or finish oh. the drink, do the dancing, and then come back and get another drink or yeah, something. You down, oh, yeah. you, down, yeah. you, down, you, pull, you pull a George McFly. You down the pint. You slick back your hair. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, but I don't know. It might be different in Ireland there because Niall was like on your side of thing. In England, uh, you, you, you're drinking on the dance floor. <laughs> people don't leave those drinks anyway yeah, yeah, specifically yeah. in these type of venues who i think you'd be specifically drinking alco pops oh. which is like things like wkd which is basically Jesus. like a soft drink that's just for alcoholic mm. and it's designed to it's like a neon nightmare that's <laughs> designed yeah. to keep people sugared up and hyper it's like what uh, 20 year olds drink isn't it basically I think, well 14 year olds well, who should well, be drinking technically no, i started drinking them at 14 so yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're that's, aimed at like 18 year olds but they're, really, they've been drank by <laughs> yeah because like over here you know, i don't know i don't know over here uh when i was like first starting to drink there was like you know mike's hard lemonade or like Smirnoff ices where they were like carbonated and the kind of that, that, that bridge between soda and like, you know, hard alcohol. That's the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh, Smirnoff so, ices. Yeah. It's usually like, you'll get a flavored version of that or a different flavored version of it. It's like, this one's green and it's called <laughs> fat frog or something like that. Yeah. But, but that's exactly the type of drink. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the kind of stuff you will get, you know, 16 year old people <laughs> like out on the dance floor with a bottle of that in hand. Well, I yeah. went back. There was there's a club here. It was famous for years, the Crazy House. Oh, it's God. like a. It was big in the new metal days, you know, things like that. And then emo, <laughs> it kept going. And it was, it was like one of the last nights it was open. It, it's closed now. Um, and I decided, right, I've not been here in ten years. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. We're gonna like have a nostalgic night out for it closing. So I thought when I went to the bar, like, right, I have to order Smirnoff Ice. <laughs> Because that's what everybody used to drink here, and you get two for one. <laughs> so, okay, I'm going to get it. And then you you down the two of them in the blink of an eye, and you don't feel like you've had alcohol. It's weird. Yeah. You're just like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, I had a girlfriend who drank 
exclusively drank Smirnoff Ice um, oh. back in the the heyday of that in like the mid two thousands. And sure. uh, I've had I've had few a few of those. You know, when when she was drinking Smirnoff and I wanted something but I didn't have anything in the house, so I'd have one of those. And they're okay. They're they're fine, but they're they're also like okay. I can tell that. This is mostly sugar, and <laughs> and uh, it, it's not. It's making me feel nothing. Um, yeah, <laughs> the, the, the friend of mine that I mentioned earlier this week that didn't like beer except for Shandy's uh, Smirnoff ices were kind of his go-to when we would like go to college parties, and he would he would call them Smirnies <laughs> to try and distract us from the fact that he was only drinking Smirnoff ices, and it, it never worked. But oh. yeah. Oh boy! Good thing that Smirnies. we like, they refer to something as Smirnies every time. <laughs> I'll be like, uh, Smirnies. Bless his heart. Done. <laughs> <laughs> but this is totally the venue that you drink that in, though. Or, or lately, actually, because this reminds me a little bit. This club of there's a place in town here called Heaven. Mm-hmm. It's a it's an LGBTQ bar, well club, mm-hmm. and this is very similar. They have nights like this. I'll avoid it when it's a nightly. But you get people drinking things like that. Or they've brought back, Niall will know this, they've brought back from the 90s the drink hooch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But they've made like an extra... Well, we we know what you mean by hooch, but (laughs) there was a branded... It was the first ever Alco pop, as we call them, which is like Smirnoff Ice. Yeah. It's basically like an alcoholic... uh, Was it lemon or orange? I think it was lemon. I believe it was lemon. It was, it was like an alcoholic yeah. lemonade, basically. Like your was it Mike's? You said, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Mike's. that, uh, but to make it like, okay, we need to rebrand it extra for the gay bars. It's like we're going to make a tropical flavor. <laughs> it's tropical hooch. <laughs> and I'm not. Uh, touching hey, no. uh, is it, it guys? Is it gay to go on vacation to the tropics? <laughs> <laughs> so stupid god that's Apparently. so dumb yeah. <laughs> i was wondering now though because i was going to make a joke of like oh oh heavens like oh heaven's a place where nothing ever happens and it's like oh it's a talking oh. head song and i think that song was written inspired by a gay bar so there you go sure you've there's got, a lot of gay bars called heaven it's not the only one you've got yeah. uh, the song heaven is a place on earth that has now been co-opted by san junipero from black mirror hmm? yeah <laughs> it's true uh so the at the top of this minute um we have uh uh Gary Andy yeah. and Peter all um sort of uh, uh swimming into the stream of dancing we get a great um, point and wink uh, point and wink from Martin Freeman yeah, yeah, yeah. good good point and wink wink um but then I, one of the things too is like it's very easy to get distracted by by Gary just in general and the things that he does but if you watch Nick Frost as they're wading their way into the dance floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just like, uh, he can't help but like, <laughs> Andy just can't help but like start having a good time. He's <laughs> in the middle of like a nightmare, but he's still like, yeah, yeah, I do like Kylie Minogue. And he's like kind of dancing along and stuff. <laughs> Peter is a little more um, iffy about everything. But I got uh, laid to this song once. I remember this, 1990. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, though. Like, I think that's a real testament to. Well, you have to ask this about actually the character of of uh, Gary Andy. King, though, but, Gary King. because he's just the fact that he is like a guy, a Sisters of Mercy guy, but he's wholeheartedly <laughs> dancing to Kylie Minogue. Like I can imagine back in the day, back in 1990, he wouldn't mm-hmm. be caught dead 
<laughs> that's the Kylie Minogue because he's a sister of the Mercy guy. Oh, I wonder yeah. if this is war that he just he has and somewhat softened with the times. Like, oh no, this yeah. is all stuff. I remember oh, from definitely. My youth. I mean, that's that's entirely possible. But then I also think that he could be could have always been the kind of guy who would listen to whatever music would get him laid. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 That's true. So. Plus, it's transporting him into. It's kind of a trick, isn't it? It's making him feel. Like he's back in the moment. Mm. It's very deliberate by the network. It's not an accident that things are sort of staying at that particular time. Those are the things just with age as well. Because like back in the day, I wouldn't have, I would never have listened to like S Club 7. But if I'm yeah. out and people are having a good time and S Club 7 comes on, I'm like, like, yeah, I know this song. I can dance to this, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Like after a while, any, any level of music snobbery you have, just melts mm-hmm. away in your twenties. It, it erodes with age. Like, yeah, yeah. It matters so much what you do and don't listen to when you're like 16, 17 of like, no, fuck that. That's corporate. That's, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. Like, whatever. Totally. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's been interesting being, I guess from the two thousands, like I remember it was like not cool to admit to people that you like jammed out the fallout boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Like, no, that's like, you know, Kiss FM, Top 40. That's not punk. You know, you're supposed to listen to this, you know, Stiff Little Fingers or whatnot. And now Fall Out Boy has sort of become like nostalgic where you can be yeah. like, oh, no, from Under the Cork Tree is like a great album. Yeah. Well, well, and I feel the same way about bands like, you know, like boy bands like NSYNC or Backstreet Boys. Sure, and it's 93. just like, it, it, yeah. And it's like, it's like, hey, look, say what you will but like you know it's gonna be me as a good song it's a good song like it is um it might not be the genre that you prefer to listen to that's fine but the idea of not being able to recognize when a good song is a good song structurally and just like it's just it's it's a well put together song is such a teenage thing of like just like you know, refusing to see reason and, 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 you know, ignorance is bliss and just, you know, like, no, I only listen to the music mm-hmm. that I like. I don't listen to that crap. And it's like, no one's saying that you do, but you can still recognize that it's going to be me as a legitimately well-made song. You know, when I guess it's, it's suitable too the fact that like, okay, Minogue did work with Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, Nick, yeah. Ca- Nick Cave showed up at her glass reset just last year. Like he was like in the middle of friggin' I should be so lucky. She appeared cool, to sing with Kylie Minogue and stuff. I don't know, though. Teenagers, you know, when you're a teenager, you like one thing. You can't like multiple genres. What the right. hell? That's that's <laughs> fake. It's like, um, it's like I know specifically when I was, uh, you know, in high school, um, Johnny Cash's Hurt came out, right? Now, mm. prior to Johnny Cash's Hurt, it was not cool to like Johnny Cash. It, oh, it no. Flat out. Like oh, yeah, if you like Johnny Cash, you were you are a redneck hick um who didn't have good taste in music. Then he suddenly covers a nine inch nails song, becomes cool, and now everyone is like, you know, Johnny Cash was actually a musical genius. And it's just like <laughs> Well, because he had that show in the seventies where he like was with the Muppets, you know, and he was kind of like <laughs> Johnny and Marie style like variety show. And I bet that yeah. kind of killed his like highwayman cool for a while. Right. Mm. Yeah. Oh, but I don't know. I think the Highwayman Cool is, in retrospect, post Hurt because even, um, you know, even uh, uh, the movie uh, Walk the Line, yeah, Walk the Line was post Hurt, right. and yeah. and so and so it was still coming off of 
the sort of legendary career status that he created for himself post covering a Nine Inch Nails song. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I so it's just, like uh, the- I don't know. It's interesting. It's one of those, it's one of those things where when you're a teenager, it, it, it's weird what you decide is allowed to be cool and what isn't, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I was kind of like Johnny Cash over here was always like, yeah, kind of weird cult things. So I think even prior to Hurt, he had all the Rick Rubin stuff where he right. was like, the man comes around and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So he had a kind of like, oh, no, Johnny. But yeah, there was always like that. was that, the same the, album, wasn't it? Uh, man comes around and Hurt, I think, were the same album. So it's the, the same, same Rick era, Rubin really. album. Yeah, because that was, that was when he broke through was, the, was, was that Rick Rubin album. Because Rick Rubin, of course, was like known for, you know, uh, uh, quote unquote legitimate musical acts, yeah. um, and it wasn't uh, until he worked with him that everyone was like, "Oh, maybe uh, Johnny Cash is actually pretty cool." I also remember like, like way back in like the Beavis and Butthead days, they had like Delia's Gone popping up on mm. it and stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess it's yeah. But yeah, I think he did shoot himself in the foot with like the because he went through like a really Christian stage in the seventies oh, yeah. where he was like he wasn't the man yep. in black anymore. He was the man in like gold sparkly right. stuff yeah. and you're like this isn't johnny cash what the hell's happening oh, here but i a few years ago it's probably about eight years ago now actually i i'm not going to condone illegal downloads but i i downloaded his entire discography <gasps> john i know and i went through the i didn't realize how many albums that was can i just say when i downloaded, i was like holy crap what the? <laughs> and um let me just say i didn't enjoy m- probably any of them up until the rick rubin stuff and then i'm like oh this is good <laughs> yeah well yeah i mean i mean and the 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 mixing is different and and, yeah. and everything because like i would even argue that walk the the walk the line soundtrack is better produced versions of those johnny cash songs than yeah. the original versions of those songs <laughs> because they are produced to ape the production quality of uh of that of that hurt album um, yeah. so like it, 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 it's, it's, yeah, it's weird. Johnny Cash has a, is a weird, uh, career because his appreciation comes from that Rick Rudin al- album. Um, mm. I would say, uh, largely outside of, you know, country music. And then oh, it's yeah. like, it's like he does that album and then people are like, Oh, is he actually good? And then the walk the line soundtrack comes out and everyone's like, Oh, I love these songs. And it's like, well, do you, or do you like these versions of those songs? Those are tones of walking Phoenix and Reese. Witt. Yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly. Because his voice isn't even as deep as Joaquin Phoenix's was. Um, <laughs> like when he was pretending to be Johnny Cash. And, uh, you know, not for nothing, but they're pretty good. About telling Joaquin, yeah, I remember back when you pretended to be Johnny Cash. That was really cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you pretended to be the Joker. And, cool uh, and between that, you pretended to be a rapper. Uh, yeah. You were, oh, you were God, pretending yeah. to pretend to be a rapper. Yeah, you pretended to pretend to be a I forgot all about that. Oh, no. That was crazy. Embarrassing. Crazy time. Yeah. He managed that to weird, weird though. David Letterman. Yeah. 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 That was weird during the week as well. I saw someone, because you're going to get them now. You'll just get them for the rest of the time. But people put up like on Twitter, like four different pictures of four different versions of the Joker. And like, which one would you lose? And one of them was Joaquin Phoenix. I was like, well, he's not the Joker, though. Yeah. That's not right. the character. <laughs> like that's that's a that's some other guy. So yeah, he's like he's a he's a guy who put on makeup. He's, he's not the the character that I know to be the Joker. But right. oh well, that's that's as, a I, as I said all as I said all of the time when that movie was out. It is not a Joker movie. It should be just a movie called Clown. 
and you could change <laughs> nothing else about it, and you could call it clown, and yeah. you could you can re- re- take take out references to Gotham City and the Waynes, and keep it exactly the same way, and that movie makes like maybe forty million dollars. Hey, Murray, can you introduce <laughs> me as Mister Clown Man? Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> like it's, you could do that. Yeah, like why? Why would you? Why would you make a taxi driver rip off about a clown? This is so weird. Why would anyone <laughs> care about this? The I, I I think that the reviews would be bad. I mean, it would be it would have like a forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It would be it would have made like forty million dollars, and uh, no one would be talking about it. It wouldn't have been nominated for anything. Um, <laughs> It's just because it's called Joker. That's the only reason it's successful. And uh, yeah. anyway, that movie sucks. Um, so, <laughs> a book of jokes. <laughs> My favorite book. Real, a real line of dialogue from a real movie called Joker. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, that's uh, that's a uh, laugh a minute comedian Robert De Niro playing that yeah. uh, playing that role. <laughs> Uh, I remember him from Rocky and Bullwinkle. Um, <laughs> I really like how Steven literally gets the cane, like he's at the like he's at the Apollo. Yeah, yeah. I mm, like getting... that um, behind when they start talking. Uh, when when she starts whispering in his ear, you can see the door open behind him and Basil peeking out. <laughs> yeah, the, the, a lot of this though is all very old theatrical kind of stuff. In that, like, yeah, you get the old yanked off the stage by the the cane thing. But even mm-hmm. the fact that it's like the cloak room makes you think of like cloak and dagger, which is all like, sure. oh, like old, yeah, old theatrical terms for like mystery and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like you know, Edgar Wright is like nothing here. Absolutely not one yeah. inch of this set is not deliberate. So yeah. of course, I'd like, like the kind of the unspoken joke of how this is like school night and Basil is wearing like a cap and gown. Right. Yeah. yeah. I I love. Uh, I, I, I just love the lighting in this. Like you can tell Bill Pope just had so much fun lighting this, the mermaid sequences, um, and the way that the, the dance lights were going to interact with everything else. And like the pinks and the blues. And I mean, it's, it's literally like a bisexual flag in here and it's dope as hell. Um, oh my God, it is. that's a thing yeah. in movies, isn't it? Bisexual lighting. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's the new the orange and teal. <laughs> It is the new orange and teal. And you know what? It's better. Um, (laughs) Though in the cloakroom, we do go right back into orange and teal. Um, Yeah. But before uh, we get there, though, I do love, uh, again, old man uh, giving uh, Rosamund Pike a drink. But she's like, oh, get get these down your neck. And even she has a moment of like, oh, uh, thanks. Like, she wasn't expecting him to go over and actually just get drinks so readily. And yeah, like like, things are starting to piece together in her head. Like, I don't know. This seems strange, but yeah, like we're actually drinking. Why would we actually be drinking? <laughs> yeah, you'd think if you could maybe go and pretend you could mm-hmm. buy the drinks, just hold them, pretend to the blanks that you're drinking. But there he's he's fully like, yeah, get them down yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some things up. I, I will say in terms of like the orange and teal uh, that we start getting in the uh, in the in the coat room, in the cloak room. Um, I do appreciate that despite it being like, you know, those, those very like overused colors and that, that overused color uh, combination, it is being done practically rather than post. Like it usually is. Um, I think that's the, I think that's definitely the difference here. And that's why it looks so much cooler and richer where it's like, Mm. Oh yeah, blue, blue and, uh, uh, or orange and teal does look really good together. It's like, you know, that's what makes the, um, 
lightsaber fight in Empire Strikes Back so iconic is like, oh yeah, those two colors are amazing together. Uh, yeah. But you know, only practically. When you do it in post, it doesn't. It never looks this good. <laughs> it's I why uh, it Iron post. Brew is I such a successful think... drink over here as well, because <laughs> it's just like those two colors are the can. So uh, have at it, people. <laughs> I don't I even mind it in post. I just Very think, fun. I just think it's overdone. Like, I, oh. I, I think if we go back to wherever it began, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm sure it was probably like this looks amazing. This looks great wonderful roll with it but then everyone did it everyone yeah did it. Everyone yeah did it. to the point where you're just like oh please give me a break there's some I really uh, there's some really hot lens flares in this movie as well speaking of stuff that used to be that was that was derided for being overdone about five years ago yeah that's mm. true that is true um i want to say the orange and teal thing came from michael bay am i wrong in that uh it feels like michael bay i mean it? in terms of who I know he definitely overused it. it. Yeah, yeah, he, <laughs> he, he was definitely the guy to do that. Yeah, or, orange and teal were like his lens flares, um, <laughs> you know, for a while. But I, I don't know if he he started the craze or just popularized it or or what. But whenever I think of orange and teal, I immediately my my association is with Michael Bay. Mm, um, yeah, it's kind of the look of summer. He just managed to like create like this is what a summer movie like looks like. It's yeah, like, smell the barbecue and the beer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, now um, you're making me enjoy it. <laughs> so, so one one bit about um, Basil pulling Stephen into the into the coat room and mm-hmm. and and everything. Something that I've never really clocked before. I think I've never I've never really like thought about it. But he chose Stephen because Stephen was his friend. Um, yeah, back when right. when he was young, Stephen was the only one who would hang out with Mad Basil. And talk to him uh, because he felt bad for him. So then when when Basil needs to choose someone to uh, reveal all this stuff to, of course, he's going to choose Steven. Yeah. 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 It's kind of great. Um, I like that. I don't know if we, me and John have mentioned this in previous appearances here because I know David Bradley's featured in, I think he's in all three of these, isn't he? The, uh, the Cornetto movies. I don't, I don't think, think he's in Sean. No. He's in, he's in Fuzz. He's not in Sean. I can't uh, think he's in the, Sean, no. But me and me and John, mutual mutual friend of ours, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy mm-hmm. O'Brien, his first band he was in, their drummer's dad was David Bradley. So yeah. there we go. So we We've got a direct connection to this guy. It was well, let's say direct, indirect connection to this guy. But oh, also, what about to say their drummer was David Bradley? Oh, <laughs> oh, that guy could tear that set apart. Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's the drummer for the Liverpool band El Toro. <laughs> but it's weird, though, because I remember at the, uh, the, the time that Jimmy pointed this out to us was during Game of Thrones when, of course, David Bradley was playing Walter Frey. Sure. And he was just so weirded out because he's like, I know that guy. I've met that man. And I hate him. <laughs> I hate him because of this role he's playing. I despise that character. And it's like, well, that's a good actor for you right there. Like, you know him. <laughs> But even he, he, he's such an asshole in that show, you just hate him in spite of that now. Mm-hmm. He was like, he's a lovely man in real life. Walter Frey was always kind of a sympathetic character for me because he was just constantly like, why aren't you including me in the fights? <laughs> I'm he just too. wanted to be loved. Yeah. <laughs> it's just everyone down the bench was just like, we're not going there. That, that whole area sucks. <laughs> it's a bummer to be there. Oh. Do, do you both dark. know what he says as well when he uh, introduces himself? Because to me, it's an exceptionally English line that he says. Yeah, it's me, you numpty. 
you know what numpty numpty. is i didn't know if you would know yeah i mean i i watch enough i watch enough british stuff that i've heard numpty many times (laughs) um which i've always i've always just sort of like like oh like a like a i don't know i i think of i guess in my mind i think of like humpty dumpty and so then i think of like something empty and then i think of like a numbskull like a like a okay yeah yeah so like it all it all just sort of like that i i think all of those things like subconsciously combined in my head and i was like oh sure numpty okay like a okay i don't know if that's where it comes from but you've hit the nail on the head it's basically yeah just like ah you idiot you know (laughs) yeah yeah num numbskull humpty dumpty numbskull (laughs) kind of although you're saying like numbskulls i'm just gonna move this this won't track with a lot of people, but because Numbskulls was also the name of a cartoon strip that was in the very, very English uh, comic strip, The Beano, uh, which also had a strip called The Bash Street Kids, which had yeah. a teacher of which used to always wear a mortar board, which is what David Bradley is wearing. And uh, mm. I like the fact that they put that there because you could be like, oh, well, you know, it's a cap and gown, like graduating from school. But mm-hmm. in England, particularly way back in the day, the cap and gown was what the teacher wore because it's supposed yep. to be like symbolic of like, I have more intelligence than you. So I wear yeah. this funny hat, right. uh, which is quite appropriate for Basil because he is the one who's going to teach, you know, teach Stephen exactly what's happening. He, d- he does know more than him. I am here to educate you on what has been happening in this town since you've left. Yeah. So it's a nice bit of costume in there. I love that twist that he's actually, he's right. The crazy conspiracy guy. He's right. Yeah. Is that is that a twist? I feel like that's always true. In like in every science fiction movie, the the crazy the crazy guy is always the one that was right all along. That's right. I I I think in this though I didn't see it coming the first time. I was oh. like, "Whoa." Like, I thought I thought you were going to forget about that character entirely. You'd never see him again. I think I was actually taken aback by it too because Basil as a character is something familiar <laughs> to pubs when I was growing up. It's like sure. oh, yeah, there's always a crazy old guy who's just sitting by like the fruit machine or by the jukebox or something. This is some old man who doesn't really talk to anybody, but he's just mm-hmm. sort of there. So I just took that as like, yeah, this is a bit of reality. That the, yeah, of course yeah. there's a crazy old man around the pub. Like that's well, he's the kind so of the guy fact that he I turned out to be like a big deal is like. Oh, well, I didn't know. I didn't see that he would be an integral part of this plot here. He's the kind of guy who would come up and talk to me when I'm trying to get a pint, even <laughs> though I clearly don't want to speak to him. And he'd start yeah. telling me about how 5G masts are causing COVID. <laughs> yeah, I'm always I, I'm I'm that guy for sure. Like I would I think I talked about this when we when we introduced uh, Stephen in the famous cock earlier. Um, I, you know, I, 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 I uh, I'm always the um uh, the Steven in that, like, for some reason, there's something about the way I look or my personality that attracts crazy people to me. Same. And like, I, they just, they just, they like, like a moth to the flame. They're just there talking to me. Like we're old friends. And I'm like, what is happening? Why is this <laughs> happening? Uh, and I, and I try to weasel my way out of the conversation and I never can. And it's, uh, it's, it's, because I'm not mean. Because I'm not a mean person, so I can't. I, I'm I'm exactly the same. And I, th- I, I, this sounds awful. I don't know if it's because I'm bald, <laughs> but if I'm in a taxi, inevitably the taxi driver will turn around and start talking to me about his weird racist theories, as if I'm going to agree with him. And it's like, what do you do in that situation? Do I argue with you? I'm just trying to get to my destination. Do I just go? Oh, okay. I go, what what do I do? I'm not going to agree with you. 
Mm. <laughs> See, at that point, I feel safe in that he's not going to uh, hurt his car or anything. So it's not like he's going to drive erratically. So at that point, I, I literally, in that very specific instance, I feel like I would be like, Hey buddy, I'm not going to te- tip you if you keep talking. Oh, period. Um, so, so either stop talking about your bullshit <laughs> um, or uh, you're not getting a tip. That's it. I'm going to still pay oh. for the ride because I'm not a monster, but <laughs> If oh, you want I like a tip, that. I don't have to tip you. And if you want a tip, you need to shut the fuck up right now. Um, <laughs> I just say, yeah, man, it's crazy out there until he gets bored. <laughs> <laughs> That's my approach. I'm like, oh, really? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I never know. I never know. yeah, I can't. I can't. It's it's the it's the it's the one. I guess I don't know. I guess it's the one benefit of being like a cis white dude. <laughs> it's just like I can I can shut people up pretty quickly. Whereas um, not everyone has that benefit, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I have no patience for that for, for for racist shit. No no patience whatsoever. Good good. <laughs> um, um, but anyway. Well, yeah, you're right. I should. No uh, one should. But sometimes, sometimes uh, you're not in a situation where you can. Um, so, I sure, get, like yeah. in a room with the president. <laughs> well, yeah. Jesus. I, uh, there's something. There's a kind of magic that I want to remark upon. Um, to me, it's 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 you can tell the love that Edgar Wright has for David Bradley. Uh-huh. Just. <laughs> And his role in this movie is just so filled with love for the act. It kind of reminds me of why I think Danny Trejo is never better than when he's in a Robert Rodriguez movie. Mm-hmm. You could just tell that the filmmaker just loves this character actor and just wants to give him a role where he can just have fun. And just like that, that little cough that he gives like to kind oh, of clear yeah. his own throat is just so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Because you're just sitting there now, too, knowing like this. This David Bradley's a man. He's he's played the William Hartnell Doctor now as well. Like yes. that's that's on the table. And this movie, the plot line, it's almost like a Doctor Who episode. And you're like Edgar. Yep. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No. You lend your services. People. People I, will lap it up. I have always said I think one of the coolest things that that um that uh both James Bond and Doctor Who could do is that they have this huge benefit to what what they do on this on that show and on in in the those films is that they have this 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 ability that no other franchise has to just completely change itself all the time right and i just think it would be the coolest thing to be like you know what we're not going to have a regular showrunner on Doctor Who um, we're just every season is going to be a new doctor and a new showrunner, and we're just going to get lots of people's perspective on the doctor, and we're going to you know throw right. continuity to the window, out the window, and it like it doesn't matter, like no, nothing matters, like it's fine. Just tell the best Doctor Who stories, and like let Neil Gaiman do a season, let Edgar Wright <laughs> do a season, you know, whatever, and just yeah. like you know, I think that would be cool. And the same thing with James Bond. It's like why are we using the same James Bond over and over again, just have like a brand new, give, give the reins to a new creator, every film, a new creator, new uh, actor, everything. Just 
give us every time. To me, like a heartwarming a Richard years Curtis back? James Bond, where he like bonds with his dad on a beach. <laughs> yeah. yeah, why not? Who cares? We'll get another one in two years. It doesn't matter. Just yeah, do it all. It's crazy to me. Like, there was there was a time where like. Wasn't Peter Jackson was like flat out offering to do a Doctor Who episode? Yeah, how, yeah. how is that not happening? Like, why don't you just immediately go, yeah, go ahead and do one? <laughs> like, yeah, that has Steven to Spielberg fun. wanted to do uh, a, a Doctor Who, and they were they like flat out just said no, no. Holy crap! Yeah, because he's not British, so they're just like no. And it was the same. He got shut out of uh, James Bond for the same reason. He's not British, so That's no. Crazy. Just let him do it. Who cares? Yeah, it's we'll, uh, it's, we'll, we'll see this autumn with Carrie Joji Fukunaga if he's able to uh, stick the landing with No Time to Die. If that movie ever comes out, yeah, oh, yeah. if it ever comes out, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Well, isn't it? We're actually talking about that now, though, because I'm not a James Bond fan at all. Although I'm weirdly I'm involved in that one because it's like, oh, well, I love True Detective, I yeah. love Fleabag, so mm-hmm. I'm 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 liking the way this is coming together, but. It's, it's, is it strange that like I've seen Rosamund Pike in many things? Like I've watched an education like seven times, mm-hmm. and still when she pops up, I'm like, oh yeah, die another day, Bond girl, Rosamund Pike. It's the yeah. first thing that comes to my head. I don't know what way, what strength of marketing that James Bond has. Like that was in 2002, and sure. 18 years later, I'm like, oh, it's the die another day, other day, Bond girl, Rosamund Pike. Every yeah, time I, I have, see her, I have no connection to that for her at all for me like for me she's always going to be sam and then in other things she's she's like oh sam's in this but because this was like the first thing that i remember seeing her in like i know that i had seen her in things prior to this but she never yeah yeah, she never stuck with me prior to this so like to me this was like her big like introduction for me and then like the next year she was in gone girl which is an amazing performance yeah Um, yeah. so i think it's true of like a lot of people though because even though again i've seen Gemma arterton in tons of stuff Mm -hmm. and i know it's like yeah that's that's a that's a claimed actress Gemma arterton but still i'm always like oh yeah quantum of souls Man, Bond I don't. Girl, Gemma yeah, that's that's weird. I it, I never make that connection. Um, for some reason, I, I don't know I why. Don't remember that movie or, whatsoever? <laughs> or uh, did, when you see Jeffrey Wright, are you always like, oh, Felix? No, no. For some <laughs> Jeffrey Wright, I'm just like, oh, there's Jeffrey Wright. I don't hey, know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> like to me, that's like that's like saying like uh, like every time Eva Green pops up, you're like, oh, Casino Royale's Eva Green. Like I can't I, imagine I kind of that. Am. Oh like I, man, I that's still, so I, weird. That's so I weird. Think I knew wow. Eva Green from uh, the Dreamers, the Bernardo Bellucci movie from well, Fire sure, yeah. to Casino Royale, and yeah. then somehow she's still not more affiliated with Casino Royale in my head. It's sort of now like, 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 it's sort of like Casino Royale is almost enhanced for me now because when yeah. I first watched Casino Royale, I'm like, oh wow, I really like Vesper Lynch. She's a really cool character. But now I'm like, that's fucking Eva Green, and yeah, like, mm, yeah. So movie and you know she's in in movies past she's allowed to be more explosive and operatic you know like 300 and dark shadows where she's like the best part of like not great movies but yeah i don't know it's interesting how like your relationship with actors can like go through time like that backwards and forwards mm. yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting when you've been well, talking about going back in time <laughs> oh yeah hey like yeah yeah just like Kylie McNogue. So when you see David Bradley, are you do you do you go to Filch first, or are you does it transcend that and you're like, oh, it's David Bradley? No, he to me he's just, oh, it's David Bradley. Like I've done yeah, tons same, of stuff. Man. 
I love Filch though. That that's probably one of his most iconic things. But mm. I don't know. He's he, you just love him in general. So yeah, it's just yeah. David Bradley. Yeah, <laughs> I think he, even when he was playing Walter Frey, I was like, my friend again, Jimmy hated him because of it. But I was like, I don't know. I, I, because it's David Bradley, I can't not hate him. Like, I, I, I feel like there's two with with David Bradley. There's like kind of like he has two lanes, and there's like like when I was watching Game of Thrones, I was like, oh, it's Filch. But then when I watch something like Broadchurch or uh, Adventure in Space and Time, I'm like, oh, that's David Bradley. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. I, it's like there, there's like a difference. Like when he's evil, I very he, all of his evil characters remind me of Filch. I think it's the reason why it didn't bother me that he played like a villain in an episode of Doctor Who before playing the first Doctor. Sure, um, the greatest episode ever made. Dinosaurs on a spaceship. <laughs> um, sure. Uh, <laughs> uh but but yeah like in that he's he's in filch world in that in that mm-hmm. episode like he feels like filch and and his character from game of thrones whereas as the first doctor he feels like his character on Broadchurch or or basil um yeah so it really does feel like he has kind of two distinctive lanes and for whatever reason evil character actor david bradley to me i don't associate with like you know, kind old man, David Bradley. Mm-hmm. Have you, have you guys actually designed, like, because I guess it's kind of thematically linked in. Have you guys looked at, um, adult life skills, like the Jodie Whittaker movie? That's, I didn't I hear great now. things about it. So I never, I never watched it. That the one where she lives it's, outside in a tent. Well, it's, yeah, the, it's kind of, I think it thematically ties into some Edgar Wright stuff in a weird way. Like not only because like, well, you know, friggin' Dr. Who and whatnot. Uh, yeah. but, it's just more the fact that it's about a woman approaching her well, she's on the tip of being thirty and she's still obsessed with things when she was younger and trying to relive her youth, ah, basically. And maintain okay. that as a state of arrested development and reality's knocking at the door and stuff. And there's little cute things like she lives in a shed, basically, and outside she's written Dawn of the Shed and all this kind <laughs> of stuff. And she makes these little movies with her fingers and all you know, draws little faces on them and makes them into puppets and stuff. That sounds like yeah, we'll just be kind of curious because Edgar Wright is just so he's so focused on the state of men in Arrested Development from Shaun of the Dead through to this, Definitely. and then getting like, oh yeah, Jodie Whittaker, you know, and the people who made adult life skills kind of did the same thing, but it was from the perspective of a woman. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that would be, be a curious one to look at in comparison, right? Yeah. Or like, uh, I, I, watching doing this podcast, I find my mind wandering uh, often towards like Jason Reitman's Young Adult. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, which is another kind of like woman in dire- woman in arrested development that thinks that like oh if I can just fix this one part of my past my whole life will fall into place yeah. you know right that was right. that was another movie again too when I first saw it I was like yeah it was okay and then rewatched it last year I was like this is way better than I remember <laughs> it being so it's the passage of time yeah mm-hmm. man um, Jodie Whittaker is also pretty much any actor that plays the Doctor is in this weird we're like I, if I see Peter Capaldi in a movie my brain will either be like oh that's peter capaldi or that's like malcolm tucker but yeah. then yeah. Oh, that's also the doctor jeez you know yeah <laughs> it's it's very strange to me like I, I think once you become the doctor it's just like yeah you're you're gonna be the doctor forever and everything um i don't mm-hmm. care how good of an actor you are i mean david Tennant's amazing but it's like yeah no uh that's uh broad church is about the doctor solving murders like that's <laughs> basically like, uh, yeah. you know i i don't i don't know what to say um yeah. and i and i i i was watching uh the omen like a few uh a few days ago the omen. and 
and yeah, and and uh, uh, Patrick Troughton is in that, and it's just so weird seeing Patrick Troughton as anything but the Doctor. It's so bizarre. Mm. Um, and okay, there so, he is in the Omen. We say that because like um, as a John Pertwee, though, to me, growing up, he was Wurzel Gummidge, the lovable scarecrow character in the TV show Wurzel Gummidge. Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. only years later, I was like, oh, no, he's like the most dignified, refined version of the Doctor. <laughs> but he also played this cockamamie scarecrow guy. And like, that one in my head is like, these two things do not equate. I don't know how the hell this happened way what back do, in the day. Did you do judo chops as a scarecrow? I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's due a revisit to find out if he did. <laughs> that was a special move. Oh man. <laughs> uh yeah. All right. Well, I think that uh I think that wraps us up here. I think that's all we got for uh for minute fifty nine. Um but uh go uh go go check out our T public store if that's something that you're interested in. Uh com slash merch. You can buy t shirts, sweatshirts. Um, I, I don't know. Pillows. Uh, I guess the masks. tote bags are, very, are particularly popular. Yeah. Masks. Um, and you can, you can do all that and it helps us out and you can, you can get stuff with, uh, our logos and designs on it, or you can use that link and buy anything at T public and we'll, we'll get a little piece of the pie. Uh, and that uh, that helps us uh, do some things. Mostly, I, I I use that money to to pay an artist to design uh, another a shirt. Um, so <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's sort of a cyclical process, but uh, it does it does help that uh, that happen. The more stuff that you buy, the more likely I'm going to add more designs to the store. So duelinggenre.com slash merch uh, is the website and you and we appreciate everyone who does that um, but we'll be back tomorrow with minute 60 but for now let's boom it